On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking veggie burgers. Not because they're delicious, although you know what? I tried one and they aren't bad at all. But because McDonald's is now jumping into the veggie burger business and this apparently is causing massive ripples. We will explain why when Sylvain Charlebois joins us, the food professor, uh, McDonald's. Immense power, apparently, in the world of food. And what when they make a decision, stuff happens. After that, now that you'll be good and hungry, Don Robertson joins me. We are talking sports. We're talking Mitch Marner. We're talking headshots. We're talking NHL. We're talking crashing into goalies. We've got lots of stuff to talk about. Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Have you tried one of those non-beef burgers yet? A&W's had them. Tim Hortons has a bunch of stuff. Have you been out and tested one of these yet? I did. I've had a couple of them. Like, no lie. And I am a avowed carnivore. They taste pretty good. I, I'm not going to, I'm not feeding you a load. They taste pretty good. And, and the first time I had one, if you had told, if you had not told me that I was eating a veggie burger, I, I'm not positive that I could not have been fooled into thinking that I was. It was that close. Well, the reason I bring this up is there is a new player in the veggie burger market, and it is the biggest of the players on the veggie burger market. And this apparently is causing some some ripples and some other things going on. I want to bring in Dr. Charles, uh, Sylvain Charlebois, who is at Dalhousie University. We've had him on many times talking about food and other issues. Thanks for doing this, doctor. No problem. Just call me the food professor. It's much easier. Okay, food <laughs> professor. Yeah, that, well, that, that's, that is much better. Uh, last summer, if I recall correctly, McDonald's was really solidifying its base and, and sort of sticking to its guns that it was the real beef place and you came here for real beef and... They, now McDonald's, the biggest of the big ones, is diving into this. What has changed? Well, uh, I think it has a lot to do with market data. <laughs> uh, and uh, certainly McDonald's know how to read market data. There, 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 there is some traction. Uh, if, if some people are thinking, well, it's just a fad, it's going to go away, and, and there's a lot of hype uh, around Beyond Meat and possible foods and plant-based products and well, it's real. It's there. And so over the last 12 months, we've seen obviously A&W, Subway, Tim Hortons, uh, and uh, Burger King. Uh, and of course, they're important players, but uh, no one is more important than McDonald's. McDonald's network is humongous. And so when when McDonald's makes a move, everyone notices. And, and that's why everyone was kind of waiting uh, to see exactly what uh, what would happen with McDonald's over the summer, you may have uh, you may have seen uh, some of the ads. They were actually upselling beef, uh, the authenticity of beef, the natural aspect of beef, and most people thought, well, they're not going to move, they're not going to do anything up until last week, and they announced Global McDonald's uh, announced it was. Running a pilot in southern Ontario, close to your place. Yep. Uh, so, southern Ontario has now become uh, a protein test lab for McDonald's Global. Now, I can recall, and McDonald's probably wishes that I couldn't recall some of these, but McDonald's has tried things <laughs> in the past 
that yeah. have been unmitigated failures. I'm th- I mean, I tried McRib once upon a time. That was disgusting. They've oh had the McLobster. God. They've had the McDLT. They've you had. Still the- have the McLobster around here in the in the Maritimes. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I, I haven't had one here since. But they they had. Remember the pizza? Pizza was going to be the biggest thing ever for McDonald's. Everybody had to put in the pizza ovens. I think they even had a McSpaghetti one time. I'm not making that up. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I remember that. I one. swear to you, it's true. You could go look it up online. They had mixed spaghetti. Um, someone had a good idea. But wh- why are we to believe then, when you say it's not a fad, why are we to believe this is not going to be something that McDonald's does for a few months and then goes, yeah, it was fun. We'll try another thing now? I, I think it has a lot to do with momentum. I mean, there is context to this uh, that needs to be appreciated. Uh, for one, a lot of people, I mean, just last week, you saw millions and millions of people walking, uh, and uh, they were doing a climate strike uh, everywhere. Uh, it was just unbelievable. And so people have uh, are thinking about climate change, and they're, they're, they're seeing the planet or they're considering the planet, the well-being of the planet, as they actually consider different types of food. That's a, that's a reality, and it's not going to go away. The other thing, of course, is health. People are concerned about their health, and they're, uh, they're reading up on things, and uh, they want to know whether or not uh, their, their current habits are, are healthy. And so that's why they're considering other things. The challenge with plant-based products is that uh, for, for, uh, for neither, both the environment and health, the, the case is still a bit weak because we, there's lots of confusion. Nobody really knows for sure what is healthier and what is better for the planet. Uh, there, are, there are no metrics. There's, there's no consensus. So there's, the debate is out, uh, but people are, are listening and they're trying to figure out things. I was going to ask you that about the health because we've had a nutritionist on here and they caught me off guard when they said it because we were talking about this stuff and they said, you know, we're not really sure that it's any better for, there's a lot of other stuff that goes into one of these plant burgers to make it taste like beef that, you know, I can get the climate side of things, but if you're a real health nut, I'm not sure this is really doing it for you. That's correct. And so, uh, and that's really what the challenge is for a company like Beyond Meat, they were fascinated for for years to replicate exactly what beef does to uh, to your in in your mouth, uh, the taste, the texture, everything. Uh, and so they want to replicate what beef does. Uh, and but to do that, you need a lot of different ingredients. What I think is going on with McDonald's. Is is that they've actually learned from what has happened in the last twelve months? Uh, they they've seen the comparison, the, the unhealthy comparison, because everyone is comparing beef with with Beyond Meat. Beyond Meat actually developed a a distinctive, different product for McDonald's alone, and and I think they did that just because they they were concerned about uh, health and, and and what it meant to to their consumers if they are to roll this out in January after this 12-week pilot. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We're talking about near beef, almost beef burgers that have no meat in them. You know what we're talking about, the Beyond Beef and these. And the reason we're talking about it is because McDonald's is now jumping into this. Now, why does it matter that McDonald's is jumping into this? It makes me think of that quote that was attributed to Alexander the Great once upon a time that Alexander wept because there were no worlds left to conquer. Once McDonald's jumps into this, 
Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, the food professor, joins us. It seems, doctor, as if there are not many worlds left to conquer for Beyond Beef or the beef burger industry, the non-beef burger industry. Well, after McDonald's, uh, I, I actually do think that uh, it's going to be the end of it. Uh, the one question I have uh, when I when I actually learn about uh, McDonald's going going into the plant-based uh, business uh, is actually who owns the IP. So there was a new product developed for McDonald's alone. If they are to roll out this product in January or in the new year, Beyond Meat is nowhere near as as big enough to supply a network like McDonald's. McDonald's I was going to ask you that. That's a lot of patties. Yeah, it's huge. And so capacity is going to be an issue. So two things can happen. Either um, Beyond Meat's system or Beyond Meat as a company needs to be capitalized even more, and they actually went to the well a couple of times already, so they need more cash. Or McDonald's, if they actually own the IP of this thing, they could actually go at it alone and vertically integrate and produce their own patties. Would you be, if you were an investor in the stock market, is this an area that you'd be looking at? Well, so you saw what happened to Beyond Meat's uh, stock on on Friday. It went up 18% in a day uh, with with the announcement of, of a simple little pilot, 17%. So the value of Beyond Meat itself went up about $2 billion in one day. So as you can, that's why a lot of people don't realize how big McDonald's is. It's actually quite amazing. Uh, Should I, I first of all, I want a full disclosure, I'm not an investor in any agri-food companies, just not to be in conflict, of course, because I comment about these companies all the time. Uh, But should I? Would I recommend people to invest? Uh, if you own Beyond Meat uh, right now, I wouldn't sell. <laughs> uh, and 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 McDonald's is 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 a well-run shop. Uh, Mr. Eastbrook from Britain, since he's been the CEO, he's been CEO for the last three years. Uh, we've always seen growth out of McDonald's. McDonald's is a company everyone wants to hate, everyone wants to bet against, but I wouldn't because it's a it adapts very well. It's been adapting for decades. Yes, as you mentioned earlier, the Mech Pizza, and there's been some failures, but, uh, I mean, they've, they've had a lot of successes. The flip side, though, is, so if Beyond Beef is looking at this like, or McDonald's, like it's sort of the, the, the glory time, if I'm in the Canadian beef industry, I have to be a little bit concerned about this, wouldn't I? I don't know. Uh, I, I meet a, a lot of beef producers. Uh, in fact, this year alone, I, I, I think I've spoken to about 3,000 of them uh, across the country. And yes, of course, when you go on stage and when you talk to, to them over lunch, uh, you can feel that they are concerned. Uh, but my message to them is pretty simple. The, more assortment, more choice uh, for consumers will mean more value for them, which means more money for everyone. That's typically what happens in any business, in any sector. And yes, this is food. You can't really feed people more food uh, because you, you, you need so much food, right? You can't really force someone to eat more. But the value perceived in the food will change. Uh, for the last three, 30 years or so, or 40 years, 
we've seen this trifecta of meat, chicken, pork, and beef. It got boring. Yeah. And so every, every now and then, every week, a grocer will basically discount pork, increase the price of beef and chicken, and vice versa. Well, one week after another, it was the same thing, same boring thing. Now, you have more choice. You have a new kid in town, and there's more variety. And usually, when there's more variety, people spend more which is good for everyone. So would it be a good guess that when you spoke at the beef producers' functions, there were not offering beyond beef patties in the buffet? <laughs> no. no, and you can't, you couldn't mention two letters, A and W. But this is what's interesting with McDonald's, because now there's a new menace. There's a new threat called McDonald's. So, And McDonald's, has been seen as the champion of Canadian beef for, for decades. This, this is why sometimes I feel, probably in the prairies right now, I, I suspect that some people believe that this is the great protein betrayal by mm. McDonald's. It is, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens if this really takes off and this works, what it'll mean, and, and we'll have you back on Absolutely. to talk about it if it does. Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, you can read him online. Always appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. All right, take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Don Robertson is in the studio as he is every Monday at this time. Sometimes wondering why. Sometimes wondering why. The owner and operator of the Real McCoys in Dundas, the owner and operator of ComChoice Realty, the guy who was behind the renovation of the Greitmeyer Arena, which almost killed him by the looks of it. <laughs> Certainly grayed his hair that two-year period. How are things? Things are good. It's uh, almost dark when I come in now. That's no fun. Well, it cut your manure spreading time like last week. Yeah, I think it was mulch. Oh, mulch. Okay, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a politician. <laughs> well, yeah, we're gonna see the manure spreading. Maybe be good. <laughs> we'll hope not. Well, I'm, I'm hoping it's not manure spreading tomorrow. I really am not. The uh, local councillor, our local councillor, Councillor Ferguson, does spread manure on. A small portion of uh, the acreage, so... Um. We had... See, we don't live out in the country. I don't live out in the country, and we, a number of years ago, had somebody in our neighborhood come up with the brilliant idea that liquid manure would be a terrific fertilizer, and it probably was, but, geez, Louise, Don, there should be some sort of bylaw against that, because it was like a week of smelling like... I can't even describe what it smelled like. Well, probably smell like a pig barn when they clean them out or a chicken barn when they uh, get rid of the uh, the hens and everything else. But that's generally pretty short-lived out where I am. Yeah, because it's open and it blows. And it blows away. Uh, you kind of get it corralled in oh. the uh, palatial estate you're in. If I had been walking up a flight of stairs behind someone with no pants and he stopped suddenly <laughs> and I kept going, that's what it would have smelled like. Like for a whole week, it was just horrendous. And I, I couldn't believe there wasn't some rule against it. That was the thing. Like if you, you, you can't burn fires and I'm not sure that burning bonfires in a backyard is, do you know, are you not allowed to do that in the city because it's a fire hazard or because it just smokes everybody out? I don't know the answer. I don't know. I can get a burn permit where I am. Yeah. An interesting show tonight. You know, you're walking into somebody's butt end and well, that, it was, we're looking at porn before I got up in here. When I got out of my, I just remember getting out of my car the day that it was spread 
And you open the door and you're like, what in the world? Who, again, who, what neighbor thinks that that's okay? Now, maybe the person didn't have any idea how horrendous it smelled. It just, they were told, hey, it's great for your grass. Well, maybe it had a, a bean fest on the court or something. Man. Don't do that to you. If you live in the city, do not do that to your neighbors. My, my brother-in-law's father used to be a pig farmer. And a couple times I was in the pig farm, in the pig barn. And Don, I got to tell you, you, you nail it though. That people don't realize, I don't think, until you've been in a pig barn, what, a, what smell really is. It is stunning. Yeah, it's, um, they get 500 hogs having a poop inside, but you think it's going to happen. You know, when people say you're a pig, it puts a whole new, it really crystallizes what they're saying about you after you've been in a pig barn. <laughs> in sports today. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to a stinky sports story. I want to go to a stinky sports story. Sport, <laughs> st- sports story. Did I say that wrong? So did you watch any NFL last night? Or yesterday, she any highlights at least? I watched uh, a bit of the Bills game to realize the Bills are good enough to beat uh, New England Almost. if they don't give it to them. Yep. Almost. Well, Buffalo guy's throwing more to the the Patriots than he is the Bills, and that ends in disaster when you play a team not good. I think there, that was bell rung. Well, and I, I want to talk about the bell rung kind of thing. So the B- Bills quarterback got drilled in the head. And we'll get to that one in a second. But there was another game on and another highlight that many people would have seen and involved a Oakland Raiders player and the Indianapolis Colts. And the Indianapolis Colts receiver catches the ball, has had to crouch down to get it. So he is now not running. He is a stationary, immovable, immovable, immobile object who is vulnerable. And a guy from the Oakland Raiders comes flying in at full speed, a huge guy, and launches himself head to head and drives his head into the other guy's forehead. Do you hear the suspension? He got suspended for the rest of the year. Balance of the year in the playoffs. Which, here's... The other guy doesn't know his own phone number, never will again. Well, he got up and walked off. And this is the part to me that I applaud the NFL, and I don't know why more leagues don't do this. I applaud the NFL, not always, I don't always applaud the NFL, but in this case... Every time until now, Don, it seems that professional sports leagues and amateur leagues, when an infraction occurs that is a potentially suspendable offense, the penalty is so often dependent on the result of the hit. If the guy gets up, there doesn't seem to be much of a penalty. If the guy stays down, there's a massive penalty. And it's always been a bugaboo of mine because it's got nothing to do with the result of the play has nothing to do with the infraction. You committed the infraction, and it's by no good meat, go, good work, or it's only good luck of you that the guy stood up. Yep. And I've never understood until now, and I, this is why I applaud the NFL, the guy for Indianapolis got up and walked off, and they still delivered a crushing suspension to this guy because the act that he perpetrated was worthy of a huge suspension. Why don't more leagues penalize the act rather than the outcome? Well, let's go to the fact that let's watch what the Players Association does. And because we have this conversation often, we'll see if the Players Association comes to the defense of the guy that drilled him and now was suspended for the year, and we can have that conversation. Who do they really try and protect? They never, ever side with the victim. 
I've never heard of and or seen a players association come up and say, you know what, that guy should be gone for two years. They never do it. They always defend it. And the leagues know that's coming. But you're right, far too often it's the result of the injury and or lack thereof that has a determining factor on how long should we suspend this guy. And I always say, you know, he was just, all he, all he did is have lots, in lots of cases, is bad aim. You know, a guy gives a guy a two-hander in a hockey game and happens to catch him on the shoulder because the guy moved his head. He just happened to miss him. Don't reward him for missing him. The intent was there. If you, uh, he doesn't do it as much now, but you can go back and watch highlights online from a few years ago of Alex Ovechkin coming in and jumping into guy. Alex Ovechkin is a big, people don't realize how he's big a man Alex a Ovechkin man. is. He's a great skilled player, but he's not a little guy. He's a big, big man. And you could watch video of him coming in and jumping into guys against the glass and crunching them. And A, because he's Alex Ovechkin, but B, because sometimes the guy didn't get seriously hurt or didn't leave the ice or whatever. He didn't get penalized. And yet you get things where the same play by someone else, the guy goes down in a heap and he's got a concussion and now it's a two or three game suspension. I've just... And boy, do they ever try and set a precedent if it's a fourth line guy playing three and a half minutes a game versus Ovechkin. Well, and that's a whole other issue, but you're absolutely right. You're, You're absolutely right, that is. But I'm just, I've never understood the league's reluctance to just take a stand based on you committed this act, which is in violation of the rules, and therefore you should be penalized as if the person was injured. And you should be penalized no matter who you are or how important you Agreed. are to your team. Agreed. Like often it's, wow, boy, you know, what are we going to do without Sidney Crosby for three months or Tom Brady for three months? Or And it, it sadly it matters because they're in the entertainment business and it's all about the money. I also, and I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this before, but I also believe that sports leagues, especially professional sports leagues, are doing suspensions wrong, period. Don Robertson is playing for Team X. I'm playing for Team Y. You commit an infraction against me that knocks me out. You do a dirty play that knocks me out for a while, and you end up with a five-game suspension. Yeah, you've, you've mentioned this before. It should always be against the team that was uh, agreed. agreed. Yeah. Yeah. That's so if you have five games off now and none of those five games are against my team, I've lost my player and the other opponents, the other teams we play against are benefiting from your absence So if you and use, I get no benefit from your being out. If you use the Leafs and Montreal as an example yes, and somebody from Montreal takes out um, or hits Austin Matthews and gets a five-game suspension and the Leafs are trying to catch the Montreal Canadiens and they've lost a premier player. And now Montreal has five games against other teams right. that they're competing. So Montreal with. can now virtually have an easier route to the playoffs, or, right? Yep. Than the other team. And I, you're right. It, it makes little sense. The odd league I've seen do it, where you know you can't play the next three games against team that you uh, injured the starting goaltender. Well, Nazem Kadri got that in the playoffs last year against Boston. He was out for the, as long as that series went. Yep. But I'm not sure that that was the thinking behind the suspension that we're just going to benefit Boston. It was 
you happen to be in the playoffs, so you're only going to be playing Boston. Yeah, but I, I, I don't disagree that it's not a bad thing. Now, the interesting thing is, and this, I, I, I do recall us talking about it at one point, and hopefully uh, the hundreds of thousands of people listening will remember parts of Millions. it. Millions. But, sorry, well, just on this topic. Um, um, if you do that and you're going to miss the next five games against Montreal – Let's say, let's say uh, let's say the NHL. You you said cadre. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, you're going to miss the next ten games against uh, Boston. If six of them are in the playoffs. Fine, but you're going to miss the next four. Cadre doesn't play for leaps anymore. But it's but he was still the guy who did it. So he's sitting the next four, even for Colorado. You trade for him, you know what you're getting. You sign him, you know what comes with that package. I mean, look, if you sign a player yep. and he is owned, he is owed signing bonus money. See the, you still have to pick up the signing bonus un, money. Under oh. your theory, it's true that the the team that would then benefit would still be the Montreal Canadiens, using that same logic, and they would they would take advantage of it this year. That said, Colorado plays in the West as a scenario. Uh, that suspension could last four years. Could because they don't play very often. Could. But at least Montreal would always be getting the benefit of it. I think that's your point. But look at look at what happened earlier this year, and I know some people get tired of us talking about it because it's a tie cat and they like the tie cats, and that's fine. But when Simone yeah. Lawrence took out Zach Caleros earlier this year, he got a two game suspension. Well, it turned out one of them ended up being against Saskatchewan the way it played out. But how did it benefit Saskatchewan to lose their starting quarterback, and then have Cal- and then have Simone Lawrence? serve his suspension, one against them, but one against somebody else. And meanwhile, their quarterback is out probably for the year. That should have been the next two times Simone Lawrence's team, whatever team that was, lined up against Saskatchewan, he was out. And he could play the other games. And that makes way more sense to me. So you're talking about punish them for the action, not for what ends up being the result of it. And then do it in a way that benefits the team that has now got the injured player. And so... Now, this guy from Oakland, it's a slightly different situation because, again, I applaud the NFL for kicking this guy out for the rest of the year. And what I would say if I was the NFL is, and if we ever do allow you back in, you never get to play against Indianapolis again. And if you do something else stupid like this again, that team you never get to play in addition to your suspension. And pretty soon you might have five teams you can't play against. Well, what team is going to hire you then if you can only play f- seven games a year. Yeah, you're going to eventually put yourself out of work. Claris got knocked all the way to Toronto. He did, and he apparently has been throwing the ball, but that's it, not playing in a game. He hasn't been back into a game, and I'm, I'm not a doctor. I have not <clears throat> consulted with the, ty- with the uh, Argos team doctors, but considering the number of concussions Claris has, I am deeply worried about that guy because he's a good guy. That I I just look at him and I go, why would you even contemplate going back on the field and risking that again? That's your age showing. You start, you know, you start. The, the older we get, you start going. You know what? I hope this kid can take his kid for an ice cream when he's forty five well, years old. I don't know if that's an age thing. Maybe it is. I think it's a a realistic thing about sports, and I would say it about anybody who's had a serious. You know, when Bobby Orr got to a certain point, it's like, walk away while you can walk away, even if it's limping away. Yeah. You know, same with other people who have had horrendous injuries. Like, I get that you're a tough guy. I get you want to come back. I get you love the sport. But you know what? You don't want to be a vegetable. No. Or a cripple. Or a cripple. 
Yeah. You don't want to be able to not walk. <clears throat> are you allowed to say that word in that context? I think you are. I think so. I think so. I think you're still allowed to say it in the context of sports injuries, not in other contexts. What we about, won't use it the other What way. about disabled? Well, I don't. That might be the same thing. No, I don't know. I better go to a commercial. <laughs> we will consult with the modern Funk and Wagnalls dictionary and see what the appropriate usage is over the commercial. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. To finish with the last topic we were talking about with hits and stuff, here's one more football question I got for you that I don't understand. You mentioned the Buffalo Bills quarterback, Josh Allen, took a hit. To, he tucked the ball, went running with it as if he was a running back, ducks his head at the last minute and gets slammed in the ear hole by a guy on New England who gets a penalty for hitting him. Why is hitting the quarterback who is running with the ball an egregious offense when every single time the running back runs with the ball and ducks his head, he gets hit in the head, and that's totally okay. Because they saw the quarterbacks, they're the star players. Well, I know, but I'm saying if, I, of course you're right. It's a marketing thing. But if you are football and you are trying to protect the players, if you're saying but we're they, a, but, but they, these leagues, Scott, have specific rules about quarterbacks now. I know, I know, because they, they sell the game. You're now, right. You're arguing... I, I didn't let you finish, but I'll finish it the way I think it should be finished. Um, the As soon as you tuck the ball and take off, then your privilege as a quarterback should be gone. Right? You shouldn't be treated with uh, uh, velvet gloves. If you want to act like a running back, then you can get hit like a running back. If you want to, if they want to protect them in the pocket, and I think it's a great rule. Poor guy standing there looking downfield ready to throw it in some – 375,000-pound linebacker comes in and hits him at 140 miles an hour, you should penalize him heavily. So in the pocket, and what they're doing is a good rule. When you tuck and run, you're Thurman Thomas. And I, as I say, go watch a football game, and everyone has. Go watch a football game, and next time you watch, watch every time the running back runs with a ball and tell me how many times he gets hit helmet to helmet by a defensive yeah. player, and it's every single time he touches the ball. Every single time. And if you're football... And the argument is, we're trying to make the game safe by taking out head collisions. Tell me how it's okay to hit the running back. Now, I don't know how you stop it, because I don't know how you tackle the guy if he ducks his head. So I'm not arguing arguing the case that you should take it out or you can take it out. I'm simply saying, why is it okay that the running back get hit a million times in the head? And if the quarterback or a receiver gets hit once, it's horrifying. Look, I just, it's, it's, it's I one know. of the quirky little things of football. Uh, to that point then, you like the rule where a quarterback, if he's in the pocket, All the is protected. All protection, sure. All right. Because he's most vulnerable. If a goalie is in his crease in hockey, he should be protected. If a goalie goes behind his net to Run play him the over. puck, you're okay with Absolutely. running over? If he steps out of the net to... If he thinks he wants to be a defenseman, put his face into the glass. See, uh, 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 on that case, on that point, I absolutely agree with you. So why has hockey never decided to let that happen. Well, if you run the goal, you start a brawl, but I still think it's okay. Right? Like if, if Because it's never been a rule that it's been allowed. That's why it starts the brawl, because you know that that's against the rules and we're going to defend Well, it's an goal. unwritten rule. There is nothing in the rule book that says that you can't hit a goaltender. Yes, there is. If he's playing the puck and he's out of the crease, you can do whatever. He's a regular player. The officials will call that a penalty every single time. I didn't say that. I said it's not in the book. Well, then what are they calling? Well, they don't. The, the smart goalies don't leave the net now, and they don't do stupid stuff as much. 
I, I, I'm all for if a goalie leaves his crease, he just becomes another player. Yeah. I'm all for that. Well, then you're going to start a brawl and you're going to get more people to come and pay to watch the games. It works out well. It can. <laughs> Hope no other way, Probably finable. For you to say that? <laughs> probably. No, I like, it's, it is a, it, it's one of those things that I've never figured out is a player can't go into the crease, but a goalie can come and be a goalie. He can slide across, but he can't grab it with his hand. He can't become a goalie simply by stepping into the crease. He can. He can't, what he can't, the only thing he can't do is close his hand on the puck. Yeah. But he can block a shot. But again, he doesn't become a full-fledged goalie when he comes into the crease. That is a special territory where the goalie, but if you step out of that crease, you become like everyone else. Well, the goaltender in the crease is, is akin to a quarterback being in the pocket, back to pass, and being vulnerable. Like the that's right. The goalie should be focusing on the puck, and normally when you see a goalie get hit, it's not head on. Like usually they don't run them, but somebody will clip them from the side when the goalie's not looking and vulnerable to blow a knee out. Now if he decides to wander into the corner to get the puck, run him over. The other thing I would say is that right now we're fixing all the rules of sports. Right yeah. now, if a goalie is in any part of a goalie is in his crease, and you bump him you're going to get a goalie interference call against you. Yeah. My argument should be it should be the other way around. If any part of the goalie is outside the crease and you bump him, so what? You want to know an old trick? Drag him out? No. Send, uh, if somebody's got a red-hot defenseman that's killing you, a stud player, Chris Pronger, for example, in senior hockey, where one fight and you're out and you want to get rid of him, you send your fourth-line guy out to push the goalie when he's standing right beside you. He In the old days, he had no choice but to drop his gloves and get in a fight. And then away you go. There goes your stud defenseman out, and then we're losing our fourth-line guy. They all I'm, fell for it. I'm just making notes here. Hockey tips from Don Robertson <laughs> for for his new book that'll be coming out. Great oh, for minor hockey. Yeah, yeah. Minor hockey tips for dads. How to, how to teach your seven-year-old the dark arts of minor hockey. Uh, you can spear him in the back of the calves, too. That'll make yeah, a guy go Don's, down like a ton of bricks. Dawn's dark arts. <laughs> 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 it could be quite a bestseller. I have no idea what's next. Everybody should know that. I never know what he's going to ask. I hope it's volleyball or something. Uh, well, no, let's stick with hockey for a second because, oh, uh, well, you know what? The NHL season starts yeah, on Wednesday. Wednesday already. And... What I mean, what's your expectation of the local team, local being the Toronto Maple Leafs? Because I have heard everything this year from this team is almost destined to be in the Stanley Cup Finals to they, like may, last year. they may not make the playoffs this year with their improved division. Uh, they'll make the playoffs. I'd be pretty astonished if they don't make the playoffs. You know who else would be? Mike Babcock from Saskatoon where he would be spending his time if they, uh, if they don't make the playoffs. He's likely got enough money to spend it in Florida golfing well, if maybe. he wants. But you're right. The, the, this is Mike Babcock's most important year. He has not won around the playoffs in a long time. A long time. And I don't even think it's Mike Babcock's most important year. I think it might be Mike Babcock's most important month or month and a half. Yep. If they come out stinky, how long do you wait after the way that last year went? Well, he signed a he signed a he signed a long term contract, eh? And with coaching, again, I think it was uh, I think it was Jacques Demers. Everybody said he's got a four year contract and a three year act, 
right? Because you can you can only some guys can only go to one place except Barry Trotts for so long. It's hard to not lose and get creative and say something different. Mm-hmm. It's hard on coaches because guys. So oh, he's back at that again. Well, he's back at that again because you keep doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. But then they tune him out. But you're absolutely right. If they come out limping at the start of the year, then and it's it'll be interesting too because you know you've got these big contracts in place. And every once in a while, because you don't know these guys are young guys, and sometimes complacency sets in because they're financially set for life. Like Marner had tre- seven lives. Yeah, Marner had tremendous motivation to have the biggest year of his career last year. He doesn't have that now. Now he's a good young guy, and I'm sure he's going to play well. But boy, if the tires start going flat on you, and two or three of them aren't up to snuff, then you're right. It uh, might be a bigger concern to Mike Babcock than MLSE. they got to pay him anyway. But Yeah, they can afford it. And they've got their coach in waiting down with the Marlies right now, the guy that Kyle Dubas knows very, very, very well because he was, had him as his coach when he was with the Sioux Greyhounds. And Sheldon Keefe is probably, and I don't know the numbers, and maybe you can Google them, I don't know if they're public or not, may well be making as much as some NHL coaches now to, to retain him because the Leafs have that kind of dough. You know, if they think that they, if, if, if Kyle Dubas wants a parachute and he thinks that Sheldon Keith is it, the last thing he wanted is Sheldon Keith to go to anywhere else in the National Hockey League and the Leafs stumble coming out of the box and everybody's going to say, and you gave up one of your very best coaches in the system. So I'm sure he's being very well paid to sit there and wait. Yeah, and now you have to hire Mike Keenan to fill in. <laughs> yeah, wow. No, it's it, 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 it's they better get going well. I, I I don't think they've hurt their defense much. No, I think their defense is arguably better, but they don't seem to be any bigger and tougher, which doesn't really matter in the NHL as much as it as it did. But I'll tell you, St. I, Louis was sure big and tough mm, in the playoffs. I'd sure, if I was them, I'd sure want some meaner guys around. You don't have to be big and tough because there's not much fighting anymore, but they don't have a lot of mean guys. And when St. Louis had mean guys, they played to win. Want to know something that I thought was really interesting to that point is in the last or second last exhibition game, who was the one guy who dropped the gloves? Now, fighting is not everything. Fighting is not the answer to always being tough, but Hamilton guy, Tyler Gaudet, who was the one guy for the Leafs who was willing to go. Uh, you see who just signed a contract with the Calgary Flames? Yep. Zach Ronaldo, Ronaldo Hamilton guy. Um, we seem to do a good job at pumping out tough guys, and I don't necessarily mean goons. Tyler Gaudet is not a goon. Uh, he's a tough hockey player. They can play the game. If they're playing in that league, they can play. And he's with the Marlies, and I'll be really interested over the course of the year to see with this Leaf team with what you're talking about. The Leafs' fourth line going into this season has, it's like Jason Spezza. And they've, I mean, they've got some skill, but Jason Spezza is never going to be confused with a gritty hockey player. That's, that's not his game at all. And I'll be interested to see as this season goes on and as they get into the playoffs, if they decide that they are that line is what works for them or if they need to bring up some guys from the Marlies who can just be energy guys and banging and doing all that other stuff. The last three or four years that Mike Babcock was in Detroit, they were one of the very few and perhaps maybe the only team in the National Hockey League that didn't have a tough guy. They didn't have a guy in the fourth line 
They didn't have uh, Dave, David Semenko, and they didn't have they, Ty had no fights at all. They had no fights at all. And the Leafs had no fights basically last year, one or two maybe. The the biggest loss for the Leafs this year, arguably on a number of different fronts, might be the edge that Nazem Kadri played with. He's gone. He played on the edge. He, he, he may have cost him that series last year. I mean, if he'd have got one game and not till the end of the series, because he plays with that edge and nobody likes to play against guys like that. And I don't know how many of the Toronto Maple Leafs that, that put fear in the other team's eyes and they're worried about playing against them. And if you haven't got some guys on your team that the other guys are going, oh, geez, you know, keep your head up because you know, who knows what Radley's going to do. Like, I don't know if Toronto have one of those guys. Go back one minute or so ago when we were talking about Mike Babcock. I, I don't expect, there There seems to me to be too much talent on this team to not play well, to not have a decent start. There seems to be too much talent for Mike Babcock to be really in any kind of danger of losing his job. That would be my take. I just, I can't imagine it. But you know what? If Sheldon Keefe were to come up, if that if a coaching change were to happen with the Leafs, and I don't expect it, but if it were, at that point, I don't know what you see with your fourth line. Because now you've got a guy who's different from Babcock and who's been ha- coaching these guys he knows with the Marlies and who he trusts and who he thinks can play the game. And he's certainly not getting rid of Austin Matthews or John Tavares or Mitch Marner or Willie Nylander or any of these guys, but you get into your fourth line... Well, you can change the complexity of your team, and, and, you might. and if you're easy to play against, not fast to play against. And and coaches always say, "I want to be hard to play against." Well, no kidding. Everybody wants to be hard to play against. The other thing that will have a number of National Hockey League coaches looking over their shoulder is what Craig Berube did when he went into St. Louis, and they were virtually in last place and won the Stanley Cup. Like all leagues need is something like that about every three years, and all of a sudden it's far more acceptable to can your coach because this new golden boy that's going to come in is probably going to take us to the promised land. And when that happened in St. Louis last year, you think our guys aren't sitting around going, oh, boy. Well, didn't we see that with, uh, we saw it with um, Pittsburgh a few years ago with the guy who's now the assistant coach in Buffalo, Uh, whose name is eluding me. And did we not see that with New Jersey a few years back when they got rid of their coach right, right. before the playoffs? Did they get rid of Larry Robinson right before the playoffs and ended up winning? Did they bring Jock Demers back? I think so. Or not Jock like Demers, Jock Lemaire. Something like that, yep. yeah. Uh, and, you know, another Hamilton guy who interestingly had caught my eye in the last exhibition game for the Leafs, again because he was mean and looked tough to play in front of the net was Ben Harper, big six foot six defenseman who's down with the Marlies who had come in the trade with Ottawa and I was looking going, you know, there's a lot of, and I wasn't even going to go down this path, but there's a lot of Hamilton guys, not a lot, there's a number of Hamilton guys who are one coaching change away from getting a real look in Toronto because you get a different coach, he may have a very different view of what he wants on his team. Well, yeah, and I agree with that until Sheldon Keith gets up here and sees the speed of the game. Not that he doesn't know. He's a very smart guy. But gets out there and goes, okay, I get it now. Like, you know, the you don't have the extra half second to turn or somebody's by you. Now, that's the co- that's a defensive coach's job, the guy coaching defenseman, to make sure you don't put that player in that position 
unless you're on the road and they get the last line change or you get changed and on the fly, you want to make sure at least you line up and set up a guys that can compete with. Well, but let me ask you one other thing. Mike Babcock has been criticized in recent years because he plays all four of his lines so heavily that his star players don't get a ton of ice time compared to some other star players. You get a different coach who comes in here who says, no, no, I want to give Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Nylander 22 minutes a game each. And then your third line gets 15 minutes. Well, now your fourth line, you don't need to have all that speed stuff You because you're not going to rely on them nearly as much. I, I'm, I'm saying that, again, I don't expect that there will be a coaching change. I think the Leafs come out of the gun, even though they have a brutal start to the year. They got they got Tampa early on. They got Boston in the first five games. They've got St. Louis in the first five games. They play Ottawa, who always, for whatever reason, gives them fits. And they've got Columbus. I think is their. I mean, it's a it's a rough, rough start. They start one and six. If they start one and six, the Wolves will be baying for Mike Babcock's head. Whether the Leafs would actually do anything at that point, I, I mean, I think he's got till at least November or December. At least, and I, again, I don't. I'm I'm not of the belief that he will be gotten rid of before this year is out. But <laughs> man, with the lineup they've got this year, with the contracts that are up for, especially on defense this year, with a lot of different things, you better not mess it up. You better not have it go south. The determining factor will be is is uh, if it starts to go a little bit wonky, you'll tell how you'll be able to tell how much how badly the players want him to stay. Yeah. Because um, if they start mailing it in when it starts going south a little bit, that'll that'll answer your question. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, Don, we got a few minutes left. There are a number of contracts that were signed this week. Similar players to Mitch Marner, but a lot less money than Mitch Marner got. Some are arguing that Kyle Dubas, the least GM, screwed the whole thing up. I... I I'm not going down that road yet. I think we got to give time and see how this thing works out before you pronounce judgment. But I did wonder about the fact that if you were going to play in Toronto and you're a star player in Toronto, should you expect that you will get a a little more money for the pressure that comes with playing for the Leafs? Or do you look at it and say, no, it's a it's a privilege to play for the Leafs, especially if you're a hometown kid. You, you shouldn't get a bonus for that. Well, I think one of the things you... It doesn't seem to be working, but the sponsorship opportunities for guys like Marner and Matthews should and be. everything else um, should be far superior than the Carolina Hurricanes. You would think. Who some of their guys might be doing TV ads for the local burger place, right? And these guys have got Canadian Tire. Bob's and, House of Mattresses. <laughs> there, you, there you go. <laughs> and so a couple of things the Leafs have done seemingly to take advantage of it if they can is if we're going to pay you 75 million we're going to give you 73 of it now and the leafs uh, and I'm exaggerating that's a little bit tongue in cheek not, not by much but they're putting a lot of it up front and uh I, I have an accountant to do my taxes but what what that can do because the taxes in Canada are far far there's there's no state income tax in some states in the United States, like Florida and so on. So you may have to pay a guy $7.2 million for it to equal $6.3 million in Florida, for example. But if you give the guy all his money up front and let him start making money with his money, 
then you can kind of offset a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. It's a tremendous advantage to have. But um, I would think... They don't do that with radio, by the way. No. (laughs) Don't do it with real estate either. You got to work for and earn what you get. Anyway, the... um, some some of the things that the Leafs ha- should have been able to take advantage of, I don't know if they did. My understanding is, and the rumor mill had it, that when uh, Stamkos was looking up here. Mm-hmm. Canadian Tire. Canadian Tire were offering a substantial endorsement uh, deal. Um, you know, Tim Hortons, there's there's lots of opportunities. So, I to answer your question, in a long roundabout way, they do get compensated for the additional pressure. And you know what, if they don't want to play in that eye... Uh, John Tavares made a conscious decision to come back to the mecca of hockey. He he knew what he was getting into, and he wanted to play for his hometown. But there's a lot of guys. I remember when uh, Danny Briere was being courted by the Canadians, and he didn't want to go to Montreal and play there, and that was not his thing to go and play there. And so there are guys who don't want to do it, and I yep. just I wonder if you have to. It sounds stupid now when you're talking about guys being paid nine, no, ten point nine, ten point eight million dollars a year. You know. How much of a boy? You've put the pressure on yourself, which is the irony of it. Sure, it if, is. If, if there is a now, they got to live up to it. If there's a pressure bonus, it's because you've created the pressure yourself. If you had played, now I'm not saying he would have played, but if you had played for five million bucks, you would have got a lot of slack from people yep. if if things didn't go right. If you're playing for almost eleven million and things don't go right, be prepared to have your name come up an awful lot on call-in shows. And not saying loving things. That kind of that kind of deal knock your pants off. Be like a billboard in Detroit. Or, <laughs> um, who's going to be the captain of the Leafs? Let's go way out on a limb here. <laughs> I've seen the limbs you go out on. Go ahead. I, no, I was going to. I was going to joke. I, I I would think it's got to be John Tavares. I would think, but I don't know. I don't know. And and truthfully got to go to break. Truthfully, I don't care. I Like, where else in the world, except for Montreal and Toronto, where else is Captain of the Leafs a topic that consumes people for weeks and weeks? The, even the players, I don't think, care about this. It's not like you name the captain if you pick the right guy. They haven't had one in it forever. I know. If you na- And the last guy they had was a dud. Dion Phaneuf was a, you know, when, when he was Captain of the Leafs, he was an okay player in Calgary. He wasn't very good here. The fact is, it's not like you name a captain and this somehow propels you now to greatness. I don't think the players in the room give two hoots. I really don't. It, it uh, Guys that are going to lead the team in the room don't need a letter. That's right. But in Toronto, you're the one that they trot out when things aren't going well. So if you start one and six and they say, what do you think of your head coach? You go, really? That's why I got the C? Well, if it's going to be that... I find the guy who is the best talker on the team under any circumstance, even if he can't play. Who's your best yeah. interview and say, you be captain. You like to talk. You like to do the interviews. You go out there. You do it. <laughs> That's what it's about. That's what, that that would be an interesting one. We just wanted to have a guy, remember like when, uh, when um, what's the guy who uh, did the TV for a while, the former goalie, uh, now he's not doing TV anymore. Glenn Healy. Glenn Healy would have been a great captain. Yeah, Healy's been good. Glenn Healy out there to talk, do all the talking. He was a goal. He wasn't allowed to be. Uh, thanks for coming in. And by the way, happy National Mulled Cider Day. I know that after you do this show, you like nothing better than to go home and pour a hot bath with bubbles in it and light a few candles and have some hot mulled cider. So happy National Mulled Cider Day. That's a vision you don't want to put in front of anybody's head. <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks, Scott. Thanks for coming in. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.